Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and we have a great show for you today. But um, let's do our regular housekeeping. As With me, as always, is executive producer extraordinaire, Bryn Lee. Hey, Bryn. Good. Whatever it is, wherever you're listening. <laughs> How you been? How's your weekend been so far? Oh, busy. Um, my... my uh... My girlfriend's neighbor just had an open house uh, party, uh, like a like a housewarming party, and so I just hung out with the kiddo while she uh, went to the party, and you know, uh, so I didn't show face last night, but I got to hang out with the boy, so that was fun. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the cartoon slash show de rigueur? Is is it a Paw Patrol? A um... oh my goodness! So this kid is obsessed with math, and so he loves this show from CBBC called Number Blocks. So Ooh. yeah, he's kind of he's kind of crazy about math. Well, you like I um, are very busy on this Sunday because after um, after this show, we have about an hour break and then we get into the Blind Pride International business meeting and elections. So anybody out there listening who's a member of BPI, uh, the the invitation is on the discuss list as well as our WhatsApp group, etc. So please join us. We have a lot of um some decisions to make and a lot of stuff to talk about as an affiliate. So this should be a jam packed. Um, an interesting meeting. We've got some great fundraising stuff that we're going to talk about. What's going on? Um, are you postponing the fun zone or are you going to be, do you think you're going to be able to double dip? I want to double dip. Uh, so tonight's fun zone will, however, be a random grab bag of comedy and novelty music. So um, if you're interested, I usually do my shows on Sunday nights from 7 until 9 p.m. Central. And you can find me at funzone.show or go to twitch.tv slash show. And you can uh, you can watch or listen to me do the show live. With me um, managing the audience participation portions of our show today is Sheila Young. Thank you so much, Sheila. And who is connecting us uh, for Clubhouse? I'm Lucy. Yes, <laughs> awesome. Hey, Lucy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks. And welcome as always, Sheila. Um, hey. So a couple of couple of announcements this is a behind the music week so friday at 7 30 we will be diving into the stories behind our karaoke songs or you can submit an original piece and tell us that story please get your um please get your submissions in to sunday edition ac at gmail.com by 4 p.m on friday to make it to the set list um let me think is there any other announcements 
No, I think that's it. Next week on Sunday edition, Sandra Sermons will be leading the show. Um, it's going to be a tribute to Freddie. And my brain is like Swiss cheese at the, at the moment. Uh, we are actually without any AC in a sweltering 85 degrees here in Miami. Uh, we have our new AC being installed Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but she's doing a tribute to Freddie, who I know was um, very popular in the ACB world um and nls etc cetera, etc cetera. so please uh join us if, if you would like to hear about freddie's life and pay a little bit of tribute to her next week here on sunday edition all right we are getting into voting task force 3.0 and i want to take a point of personal privilege as i introduce the first person miss connie sims board member connie sims and say that last week's most of you know because i announced it a couple of times throughout the show was the Florida Council of the Blind Mid-Year Board Meeting. And this lady sat on Zoom for basically eight hours, um, helping us out with business, adding some commentary when when appropriate, giving us ideas. So first and foremost, Connie, thanks for being such a great board rep to the Florida Council of the Blind. Well, thank you, Anthony. I was very happy to join you guys and happy that I could do that. So yeah, I really enjoy working with the Florida and all the other affiliates, but I, I thought it was a very good board meeting and meetings and stuff. So I applaud all you guys. All right. Well, I am going to ask you to take over for a few minutes, introduce who you brought with and do a, an overview of what we're going to be talking about today. All right. Thanks. So with me today, um, we have Pat Sheehan, who is the chair of the voting task force. And then John McCann, who is the chair of the Constitution and Bylaws. And I believe Matt Selm may be joining us at some point, who is actually on the voting task force also. So a small group, but a mighty group. Um, so we came up, we're trying to do what we're calling a, a governance roundtable. We're trying to get our members input on, we have like 11 questions that we're trying to get everyone's input and so we can go back and try to make this voting process and the business part of ACB really for our members. And we want our members to really feel informed, um, have their ideas or suggestions and how we can make this, a, you know, it's already a great organization, but how we can even make this better. And because it is a member organization. So um, I will let... Pat to take over a few minutes and then I think I'll probably have you I'll read the um few questions and stuff but um Pat what would you like to I'd just like have to, any well yeah thank you Connie uh real pleased to be here always enjoy this show so we appreciate it and uh thank Deb you. Cook Lewis <laughs> asked us to um to to you know reach out and get and get input from uh ACB as to what we did right, what we did wrong, uh, or what happened that could be improved. I don't think there was anything that was wrong, but what could be improved. And I think one of the things that we're overall trying to do is to ensure that we don't go into a three-week uh, uh, Streamline. We streamline want is to, the key. Yeah, yeah, we want to streamline. So we've had some good ideas. We've got some interesting uh, things to talk about today. Uh, people's input, I think, is important. We want to try to make the process uh, as efficient as possible. I think what we've just really decided on so far is that 
vote now as a voting system works pretty well. We're getting used to it. Um, but we think that there are some ways that we can improve what we're doing. Real pleased to have John here today because uh, a lot of this could go through Constitution bylaws. Uh, we've got uh, sort of the voting task force part that that I chair, but we're also made up of the resolutions process and, uh, and, and constitutional bylaws. So it's sort of all three, and we try to separate out the tasks and then communicate where we're going forward. But we, we're starting early this year. Uh, we wanted to make sure that everyone had input at early date so that when we start talking to the affiliates and some of the other people, um, you know, on on an individual basis, we've got some groundwork and some some of the shows that we can say we consulted with the presidents and uh, uh, the shows, and uh, these are some of the recommendations going forward. So it's been uh, it has been uh, you know an education process for us, and uh, people have been very good about giving us their feedback. So thank you for that. You know, as as show host and, and as somebody who pays a lot of attention to the politics of ACB and, and leadership structures, et cetera, I, I do want to say that I think, you know, for the past, you know, three years now, or this is, you know, 3.0 of the task force, you know, we've had the we've had the ability to vote through vote now, um, which, you know, whether you're using a dial phone, whether you are using your dedicated vote, uh, co- you know, well, you're using your vet- dedicated vote code. It's amazing that we all, whether we're at home on our couches or there in the room, you know, we have the same access, which is absolutely great. So now um, love the idea that, you know, you guys have heard from us that, you know, a week, a week and a half before, a week, a week and a half after, as well as the full week of convention, it's just, it's hard, you know, it's not impossible. We've done it, but it's hard. And so, you know, going back and looking at processes and seeing where, things can be tweaked is great. What I thought, if this is okay with the three of you, what I thought we could do was take the questions one at a time, ask for two or three folks to comment. And when I say that, I'm hoping that, you know, when you raise your hand, you'll you'll be commenting on something, you know, on that specific question, on that we'll have general question and answers, you know, more towards the end. But, you know, comments dedicated directly towards the question we're talking about at the moment. Um, and that, you know, we can get some feedback. We have folks in Clubhouse, Lucy, you know, will be letting us know if anybody there has comments for us. Um, it does that, would that set up work for, for you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's how we've done it. Uh, really with all the, uh, particularly with the presidents that we had much shorter time period. It took us how many weeks, Sheila? Three or four, four. weeks to get through the presidents? Four, four, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Four, four of them. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're going to limit to two or three per question. And so to be fair, Sheila, what we'll do is we'll take people that haven't spoken for the second, third, fourth, you know, we'll go around as best as we can to make sure everybody gets, you know, an opportunity to make comments. So again, you know, don't raise your hand for the first question if you're not passionate about that question. You know, wait for something where you really have a comment that's going to be worth, you know, discussing. So Connie, what question do we want to start with? Um, I think we should start with the easier ones instead of. I, <laughs> I mean, I made I made the the affiliates wait until the very towards the end, and they were all just chomping at number ten. But you know, I am, um, and then I kind of switched it up for other shows. So I think we should start with number one. 
and see see how it goes from there. You, um, you might not have time for the <laughs> elephant in the room, which is that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. Yes. <laughs> she opened up with question number ten and said, "How do you like that, Pat?" That, that will be the whole show. If you did 10, that will be the whole show. It took us an hour and a half on Tuesday topics. So. Yeah. All right. All right. So number one, if we remain as things are, should some things be switched from virtual to hybrid or vice versa? So one of the things that we talked about is, you know, do we have resolutions and constitution and bylaws throughout the year? Do we... Um, have something different. So one of the things that I had brought up and kind of get the topic going was, do we have resolutions maybe twice a year, you know, instead of having all the resolutions at the convention, yeah. maybe we have it twice a year. Maybe one during, so, you know, once during le legislation, legislative week and one during the convention. Yeah. All right. Right. Or in further by, because there's, we can call with Zoom, we can call a business meeting any time now, right? So, and then there's resolutions that might come up throughout the year. So why do we wait until the very, to the, the convention to have all of them? So that's just a thought. Some people like it, some people don't. So that's how we kind of started this out is, do we expand because the resolutions does take a lot of our time. All right, Sheila, who's up first? Well, we don't have any hands. No hands. Oh, I guess you scared to, him. You let's scared go to him number two. I, I scared him away. Yeah. No, I think I think Anthony did with the passionate part. Yeah, the passionate <laughs> part. <laughs> you and know, I think I'll, I'll add a little comment. I, you know, mm. I, maybe I'm about to piggyback on what Pat is going to say. I mm -hmm. think last year the process, the process was really good. The thing I think is that we've got to encourage membership to really get there during the discussion portions mm -hmm. when the resolutions are being socialized when they're being amended etc you know and that that way when we get to the floor we mm -hmm. most of that discussion is out of the way you know we can deal with technicalities and voting in you know on years where we have you know 25 resolutions you know uh, if most of that discussion can be done but i really personally i really like the idea of having you know two business meetings a year and, mm -hmm. and breaking it up that way. All right, I heard it. I heard a hand go up. You're doing, uh, One of our friends from Florida. Keep it brief, Janine, please. I will keep it brief. You did encourage us to only speak when we're passionate about something and only kind of speak once. So, but then you're like, no one's speaking. So you have to pick All right, when point. you're going to be passionate. <laughs> so I, it's kind of a double-edged sword there, Anthony. So fine, I guess I can be passionate about this. I... I agree with Connie and I even brought it up during convention that I think we can do business meetings, not always during convention, not always during leadership. I, I don't think we should use a lot of the leadership time for a business meeting, honestly, because we're there to learn about going to Capitol Hill and how to be better leaders and not dealing with resolutions as far as I that's what I am understood about that. And I love leadership. So um, I, yes. So I think that we should just do multiple business meetings on zoom, maybe not even during convention. Who says we have to do it during then we could do it in, you know, for Easter or we could do it for Valentine's day or St. Patrick's day, or we could pick two times a year 
to do All that. Right, not and Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't want to do yeah, resolutions on the love. Yeah, you get a bunch of drunken resolutions. Well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was just an example. We could pick something and stick to it twice a year. And then these calls that the board members and the task force are doing are very helpful because it gives members a chance to come and discuss and understand and learn. So I agree with that, but I think maybe not during our special two times a year in person things because that's where we're okay this wasn't brief janine yes thank (laughs) you we got another hand hang on okay bye (laughs) Bye. yes welcome to sunday edition matt welcome 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 matt go ahead yep as somebody on the task force i think what this question is really asking about is we spent that first week doing all resolutions and then the second week, basically, the the hybrid portion doing all presentations and a little bit of, you know, election voting and stuff at the end. So does any of that get switched around? Like, do we do we move the angel presentations to the or the scholarship presentations to the virtual week to free up space during the hybrid portion to do, you know, resolutions or vice versa, what have you? I think that's more what this first question is asking. And one of the things, Matt, that and this is Pat, and I'll just say one of the things that I noticed and I thought was great, uh, Constitution and bylaws in the evening uh, that first week I thought was really, really good. Right? Yeah. There were people on that call, particularly out on the West Coast or whatever, that I hadn't ever heard of before. A couple hundred people, 250, 275 on those calls and there was a lot of good lively debate now we had 16 resolutions last year we never have 16 resolutions what would happen if we had had 25 you know we would have had to go into that third week and i don't want to be i don't want to be the one to say hey we're going into week three you know that uh Skin me alive. But um, so, you know, that's part of what we're talking about. The other thing, Matt, that's interesting, um, you know, and that gets into moving everything into the convention week. You've got to look at capacity of the hotel, you know, 10 hybrid rooms. We don't have the capacity for that or the staff or whatever. How do you how do you finance something like that? You know, Um, you know, to be able to do that during the during the uh, hybrid week, you know, so, um, but I do think constitution and bylaws, what we have opening session, uh, nominated committee, constitution and bylaws, uh, I mean, resolutions, resolutions. Yeah. And constitution bylaws first reading. I thought that was really good that first week. I like that. You know, I heard in another conversation uh, a suggestion that I thought was really interesting. And I'm wondering if there has been more discussion about it. Um, something to the effect of taking the angels and the scholarship presentations and giving snippets of each person during the general session, but giving them their own breakout sessions for the full and expanded, um, which would suffice to free up some space within the general sessions, but also give more cachet to the scholarship and angels presentations. Um, Has there been more discussion about that suggestion? Not it didn't that didn't come through the um voting task force, of course, because that would be more, I think, of a constitute I mean uh, conference programming decision. 
One of the other, one of the negatives, which I thought somebody was uh, not a negative, but but something to consider, is that if you have resolutions, uh, if you have voting twice a year, you would then have to double the cost of what of the vote now of the of the vote now system for other for another ballot, and that's a good point, and I think that that is always important. I will say something since I'm not an officer and I can basically say whatever I want, kind of sort of, is that when you start to make decisions within an organization, and this even counts for the voting system, for the vote now system, you've really got to have a way to fund that upfront. Uh-huh. Every decision that you're going to make, whether and, and I'll use I'll use vote now because that's you know that's what I'm concerned with. You know, we didn't we didn't have that funded. There wasn't uh, you know there wasn't funding coming in uh, earmarked for that program, and so that's something that I see that ACB does um, a lot of, or maybe has the mindset for. You know that. And particularly if you're going to earmark multiple votes, you've got to find a way to pay for it. And so I think that's something to consider before we just jump on and have the good idea fairy say, yeah, let's do it because everything has a cost. I think we need to take that in, into consideration. How, and it, what it's, does it cost yeah, for, I was, for the one time? What What is the cost? I, I think the cost was about... Wasn't it 10000 10 10 to 12000 yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. yeah. And we pretty much that have was to the double first that. year, right? And, and yeah, the second year didn't it go down because we, yeah, took all the mailings in house. Yeah, so, so, right. so did it yeah. go down to about eight thousand or nine? You think? I think it went I down. Thought to it went down that, to like, it? thought it went down like Maybe five or six. I was thinking six thousand this past year. You know what? We'll get that without we'll get... we're taking all that mailing. Yeah, we'll we have one more data. hand if you wanted, Anthony. Yeah, let's see and one more hand, we... and then Connie, get ready for a question, too. Yeah. Amanda. It's brief, I promise. It's not really a comment. It's more of a question. Um, I'm just curious. Who determines when we hold ACB business during the convention? Who's in, who's in charge of making that decision? It's the conference committee. What, committee. So what do you mean exactly? Give me more on that, Amanda. Like, what do you I, I want to know who determines, you know, what we're going to do that virtual week and what we're going to do that in-person week. Like, who makes that decision? Does the ACB board make that decision? Or does the voting task force make that decision? Does the voting task force make a recommendation? <laughs> no. How does that process? No, voting task force isn't like? consulted on any of that. No, we would make a recommendation. The only things we make a rec recommendation for would be constitution and bylaws, resolutions, as we've done that night, you know, that first week in the evening. Uh, opening sessions, we might have some input on that. But, you know, uh, there's veto power over the over the voting task force. We don't make that decision. And the, you know, the other decisions on the programming side. That's, that's going to have conference. Con yeah. Conference and convention. Committee. And John, correct me if I'm wrong. Some of this is, is spelled out in our bylaws. There are certain things that we have to subscribe, you know, that we have to follow through according to the way our business is laid out. Right. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you chapter and verse off the top of my head, but, but, uh, some things are are prescribed in the bylaws uh, or and or constitution. More, more the bylaws, I think. What had if, if things have to occur in a certain order? Uh, 
like the requirements of two uh, readings of any proposed constitutional amendment. That's certainly in our governing documents. I don't think it presumes to tell us when that must occur. Well, actually, I, but as far as the submission, well, we changed this uh, blessedly. The submission, when, when uh, the deadlines for submitting constitutional bylaw amendment proposals has been moved up now to 60 days out or 30 days out. God, I have to look it up. I think it's 60 days because we really want time to vet it before the membership um, in uh, Zoom type calls, et cetera, before it comes to the floor during the annual meeting or the conference and convention for any given year. Absolutely. All right. So, Connie, let's uh, let's hear about question two. All right. Thank you, John, by the way. What, yeah, sure. What changes should be made in the debate process? All right. So Sheila, once again, Lucille, let us know if anybody in Clubhouse has comment. Um, who's up first? Margie. Welcome, Margie. You're muted, Margie. Do we have another hand? We could pop back to Margie after. No. All right. Hey, Margie going once. Air. Got it. Twice. In there, Margie. Margie. All right. You know what, Connie? Let's go to question three. We'll come back to two towards the end if we have time. Okay. Number three, do we need to make modifications to the convention schedule with respect to elections, resolutions, and constitutional amendments and bylaws are considered? And can you read that again, please? Do we need to make modifications to the convention schedule with respect to when elections, resolutions, and constitutional amendments and bylaws are considered? So one of the things that, and we kind of had talking points when we talked about doing this, like starting Saturday night gave us some ample time to get all the voting in. Um, but this year we only had like 16 resolutions. Um, we are starting Sunday night instead this year, um, instead of Saturday night is what I've been, been told. So that's where that question came from. All right. And if anybody feels passionately about this and has a comment, please raise your hand. And Sheila, Lucy, and Bryn, please feel free to, you know, if you have a comment as well, please feel free to let us know. All I right. Maybe Margie, we'll go through this. Oh, Margie, did you go back in? No. She got, she's I'm, been in and out. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's take four. <laughs> All right. Four. Should additional restrictions be imposed upon the ability to seek a change in the agenda during the middle of the convention? So this kind of, Pat, if you want to comment on this, this kind of came when um, we talked about standing rules need to go into effect. But basically when Chris Bell, we talked about how during the virtual week, we didn't get through um, the one by resolutions and then we got waited until the next night and mm -hmm. it was brought up how so if you want to comment or whatever <clears> yeah there that, was a can... lot there was a lot going on with respect to changing sort of the agenda uh and uh we had a um chris chris bell wanted to change the agenda during the hybrid week and we were trying to figure out because we hadn't completed a resolution and John was supposed to be starting his constitution and bylaws at eight o'clock on Friday. 
the question then becomes, should we have finished the Thursday night business with Chris, uh, you know, um, trying to move the that um, resolution the first thing on Thursday or make it last thing on Thursday night? People that tuned into the meeting uh, to John to uh, Constitution and Bylaws expect that at, uh, at eight o'clock. So is it fair for us to take, and I think it took all of an hour and a half or something to try to get that uh, resolution done that Chris wanted. So it kind of expanded the, the, uh, the time frame on Friday night quite a bit. And Pat, so they were my memory. Of, we did it opinions. after Con and bylaws, right? We sure did. We sure yeah, did. Yeah. What that, was, what was decided. We wanted to yeah. honor people who, you mm -hmm. know, com based on the announced program, we wanted to honor the people who had made a decision to show up at 8 p.m. Eastern, mm -hmm. specifically for the purpose of hearing and debating or giving input on the Constitution. Right. And I was just going to bounce that over to you, John. So good. Okay. Yeah. And so your thought I, on that, I have John? A question. Yeah. Go ahead, Anthony. In the times pre-hybrid, how would that have been handled on the floor? I think we've taken it. I think that's been based on the chair, really. There's no hard and fast rule. Mm. But in this particular instance, a couple of discussions came up, really, on this. And I think the proponents of the evidence here was that you follow the schedule and then you add on the um the the issues that you know we we didn't get to on Thursday and put that following constitutional bylaws on Friday. The other thing that came up is trying to figure out where we're having issues on some of the resolutions and are there resolutions that are going to be more controversial than others? And should they be racked and stacked earlier in the process? Yes. <laughs> in my opinion, is yes. <laughs> I think that's something we learned the hard way. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and so I don't know if people want to sort of talk a little bit more about Constitution and bylaws agenda uh, resolutions here or not. But I think, you know, this is not a this is not a bad place to start some of that conversation need too. I definitely think, you know, uh, when when we have socialized that this is what we're going to be discussing in a certain meeting, if business has to be carried over from a previous meeting, that, it, you know, it should be communicated at the beginning of the meeting, you know, beginning of the next piece of business meeting that, yes, we will get to this, but folks are coming to that for that specific purpose. And, and I think we need, to, you know, me personally, again, I'm not speaking for the organization or even for BPI. I'm just speaking as a, as a member. You know, I think we do need to honor the fact that people took time out of their schedule to come for that piece of business. And, you know, folks that want to and need to continue business that was not able to be fin finished, you know, can come in later on if they don't necessarily have any input in the primary focus of, you know, taking constitution and bylaws as the example. Um, and, John? Yeah, and oh, John, wasn't wasn't this, uh, this was your first reading, right? So you were just reading uh, what you guys were talking about. There was no debate involved or anything like that on that Friday, correct? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would yep. be true. Yeah, was, you're right. And so basically we just played the 11 labs recordings of the uh, amendments and which, by the way, I have to say kudos. That was, um, you know, that worked out quite well. 
Um, oh, I mean, know, if I had a dime for every time, I would just lose the stream of uh, lose the thought process when other people were reading it. And I'm not taking pot shots here, uh, courtesy of a drunk driver. I no longer read Braille uh, at any level of uh, proficiency. I was raised with it. I went to a school for the blind. Was I was never a fast Braille reader, but I could certainly do it. And then the spinal nerves, the peripheral ones, got knocked out of commission at the age of 19. So. I, I mean, I am in love with uh, 11 labs because you, it's just the flow is there and, uh, mm-hmm. and you can understand it as opposed to people reading 20 cells at a time, which never works for fluidity. I don't care. Yeah, it gives the stop and start feeling where, you yeah. know, the 11 labs gives you that natural human pause feature. Um, right. You know, it worked out quite well. I heard a hand go up. So Margie. Do, does, it's Margie. Does, all right, Margie, well, you go back to two. <laughs> she can unmute. Yay, I made it. <laughs> yes. I had to come in via telephone, but whatever. Anyway, um, now I forgot what I was going to say originally, but I have some comments. And um, <clears throat> I observe over the many years of convention, come the last day, and especially the last several hours, we have very few people on the floor. And that may be good news now that we have um, remote voting. Um, I think and would love to see resolutions be done remotely. Um, I think the way it was handled um, the second year was Dan, with Dan was very well handled. I think those of us that had comments all got the comment. And that takes up a huge chunk of our convention. And the one thing I keep hearing people say, shorten the convention. And that alone and possibly CNB could be handled quarterly, twice a year. However, it'd be really nice not to have resolutions restricted to once a year as well, because things do come up throughout the year. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Margie. And and I think, um, you know, Matt, going back to what you said and Connie, uh, I owe, I guess I owe Nancy Marks Becker a call because if the price has gone down to six or 7,000 as opposed to the 12,000, uh, it sort of makes that argument that I put out there kind of moot. So I think, I think that's, you know, important. Um, uh, the, and I think what we've, what we've heard really from, everyone we've talked to so far is they have liked the the resolutions uh being debated that hybrid week uh yeah we got i thought we got some good debate uh we we do absolutely want to encourage more people to show up at the um uh, at the resolutions committee paul edward uh, and i'll just jump in with a couple other things on the debate process paul was saying that the first person to speak on the resolution should be the maker of that resolutions, you know, when, when they're presenting it I out. I think there's so, consensus on that. Yeah. So yeah. we are, yeah, we are agreeing on that. I, I think also, and um, you know, so I think those are, those are all good points going forward as far as the resolutions process is concerned. I was just a little bit concerned last year with, you know, if we'd gone much further than 16 resolutions, uh, we could have been in trouble. Uh, Connie, you might also want to talk a little bit about the fact it seems like we sometimes have 
duplicative resolutions coming through all the time on, you know, I'll just say digital accessibility of websites. How many times have we seen that? So, Connie, you've gone through and done the um, looked at the resolutions over the last how many years? And you want to talk about that process and how that's impacting the resolutions process? Yeah. Uh, so, I was I've been tasked with I I've been gone through I don't know how many years now way back and Sharon has done even more than I have but I've gone through all the old all the resolutions going way back and Sharon has and all the old policies and procedures and all the motions and everything so we've had so many um, redundant resolutions um, a lot of them maybe even every year every couple of years um, that. Now the the resolution committee has gotten really good and they they try but they don't you know as as Jeff has said don't always get it done but they they try to not let something that we've done like a website stuff um web accessibility continuously go through on a resolution you know and sometimes these resolutions take years to go into effect um so that's why it's not always pertinent to continuously do the same resolution um, over and over. So that's where in the past we've had so many more. And I think now in the last couple of years, we've been able to get it down like this last year was 16. So that's kind of helped. Um, sometimes resolutions um, have been talked about. So it, it's good that having the resolutions committee open and having discussions that um, everyone can talk with the committee and go over their resolutions. And may, there used to be maybe two or three that could be close to one another. They they try to get all the parties together now and combined, maybe if it's going to be one resolution. Mediate it out and so yeah. Yeah. One of the, uh, so you know, that's, yeah, one of the things that came up, uh, funny, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that it would be in, in Anthony was make a comment, but I think I think that's where it's improved a lot is that we've we've put some things into into place to help monitor all this, you know. And we do we see the um, resolutions all get like a ranking when they should be done, who should be doing them. So and some take a lot longer, some are very short term, um, and we follow up on that. You know, as a board, I can say that we do follow up. We we are talked about that's shared with us and where we're at in that process. So I think that is, that's definitely helped us one move the, along. One of the areas that that was a real help with, and Connie and I work on this together, uh, the uh, International Code Commission that deals with ANSI type uh, issues, stairways and um, color contrast and boring issues like that. But it's, it's good to be on it, that ACB has a, a voice there. But uh, I was talking with, um, uh, we were talking about uh, color contrast issues or something like that. And Eugene Lozano from California said, well, what's ACB's resolutions concerning topics A, B, C, and D? And for the life of me, I had never thought to consider that. And I'd been on that committee for about six months. I mean, you get so involved in the discussions going on at the committee level, representing ACB, the first place we should go is to uh, look at the resolutions that we've had over the years. The fact that Connie and Sharon and others went through and did that work, they could just present us with the resolutions and say, for whatever reason, you know, whether you agree with it or not, 
ACB's position on these topics have been A, B, C, and D. So that is useful in other areas also. And I, yeah. Right. And I just want to say, and I just want to say on that, you know, since we have that process and we're able to go through that, you know, I was able to present that to those committees and actually people who didn't see it our way, actually, when they saw our information and why some still didn't agree, but some people understood now more. And we had some really good discussions and we possibly have some um hopefully, and I, I don't want to speak any more about it, but hopefully we're going to have some testing um, to help change and strengthen one of our resolutions that we had years ago. And everyone's backing that. So, I mean, so having that, I think, is really a good process to be able to get to those resolutions and know what they are um, has helped. Well, last year, Sunday edition and Tuesday topics, it, you know, took time to explain resolutions, the process, how it works, what, you know, what do the clauses mean? How do you write an effective resolution, et cetera? I think this year um, we should probably explore looking at our past resolutions, where we can find them. You know, before you set out to write a resolution, why don't you, you know, look through, see what we, you know, what we may have looked at in the past that would be relevant to the resolution you're about to propose. Um, and socialize, you know, that that arm of it this year, once everything is solidified, um, I will, as always, I'm in contact with Paul and Terry, you know, when our shows combine and do things like this, you know, we are pretty effective at it. And that might be that might be one of one of several answers going forward. But um, let's let's we're at question five now or six, Connie. Um, we are at six, no, five. All right. So let Let's go with five. All right. If and when should floor amendments be allowed? Should that person who brings an amendment from the floor go first? Should they contact the presiding leadership that they are going to bring an amendment forward? All right. I'm going to I'm just going to jump in with a personal thought. I mean, I think, it, you know, when possible, absolutely. But I, I do think that at times during discussion, it brings to mind something that would work as an amendment where you're not going to have the opportunity. So I, I would hate to see that as a hard, fast rule that, you know, before debate even starts, you you have to alert leadership that you have a potential amendment. Uh, Sheila, are any hands going up for that? Jane. All right. Hi, Hello, Jane. Welcome. Hello to all of you. I just was able to find yeah, a here. Will you be summarizing what you have, what, uh, um, what has come up so far before we disconnect from the meeting? I don't think we're going to be able to do that, but um, Sunday edition is available as a podcast not long after we air, so you can okay. always go back. And I'm sure that everybody on this call would not say that they are not welcoming any email questions or comments later on after the show, yes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so yeah. absolutely. Okay, thank you. All right, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah, yeah. Sheila, anyone else? No. Um, and I, okay. I'll just say that it's Anthony to that point. I, it's not going to be a hard fast, but you know, it just came up that last year, um, for instance, you know, there was, and I'll say myself, I had reached out and told some some leadership that I was going to be doing a proposal. I did not know that when all of the amendments came out, you know, the resolutions, but I wasn't one of the first ones to speak. So. Um, we just kind of talked about, you know, it would help, but it's not going to be, I think, a hard, fast rule. But we we're just saying, would that help 
some of the process if that but definitely you know people aren't going to know until you're on the floor sometimes if you're not going to do a resolution so if and then we get in discussion. yeah Go ahead. Nancy. If coming out of, you know, the resolutions process, there is something that is, you know, a definite, this should be, uh, you know, this is going to be an amendment that should be spoken about. I absolutely do, as a member personally, feel that, you know, leadership should take that into consideration and start with that. Um, so thank you for clarifying that piece of it. Uh, that was John that wanted to speak, right? Yeah. Pat was going to say hey, something. Pat. John, did you oh, want to? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So the other the other part that we that we're having an issue with is exactly what you said. Something comes up in the middle of the debate period and you've got a point of information. And so being able to recognize that point of information, you know, so and, and of course, the education piece that we want to do again this year, point of information, point of clarification. And what's the third one I'm forgetting, Order. John? Order. Point of order. Oh, Point of order. order. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Sheila. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When you know when they're used, how they're used, making sure that you get your, uh, you know, your your submission uh, recognized so that it it can be, it's not just part of the debate period or whatever. So we're still Could wrestling with that. Yeah. Could we maybe um, go something, you know, simple tech as having a, a phone number that we could text saying, I have a point of order, I have a point of clarification, I have a point of information. And so that because when we're when we're looking at hybrid, you know, even even hands in the room, we don't know what the hand going up is yes. for. So maybe right. if there was a dedicated text line that we could say, I'm raising my hand for a point of order or a point of information. Um, and that person could alert, uh, you know, the debate, uh, you know, the, the leader uh, monitoring the debate. Yeah. Hmm. So theoretically, somebody could call that phone number? Send a text message or, I mean, we're going to be in the middle of debate. So I think phone calls would be disruptive, but a quick text message saying, I have a point of information in my hand is if you. If, if you don't text, though, that's the only thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Good job. I was glad you said something, Matt. So, yeah, go for it, Matt. No, that's it. I mean, that's that's the hard part here is, you know, how do we find solutions that are that are going to be everyone? Universal. Yeah. I mean, well, it's yours... something that we can we can yeah. definitely talk about at the committee level. Um or should could be talked about at the committee level. Sheila, any more hands on question five? No. All right, let's go on to question six. Um, should there be further restrictions on when record votes need to be taken as opposed to standing or Zoom votes? If so, how, if at all, should changes be made when a record vote is required after a Zoom vote? Oh, this sounds hmm. like John territory, doesn't it, to you, Johnny? <laughs> well, and we I'll had a, jump in. and we had a, yeah. we'll let John talk first, but then we had a good discussion on Tuesday topics. So, yeah, yeah, I wasn't oh. at Tuesday topics. I wish I would have heard that. And I wonder that maybe I should check out the podcast uh, if it's a podcast. But yeah. I'm not sure I understand the latter part of that question. But the fact of the matter is that we are going to have to raise the threshold in one way or another. Um, the case that I've always, or the, the rationale I, I've always advanced from my feeling in this matter is that at any given time, you're, you know, you probably have 200 to 250 
50 people on the floor and 25 are enough to force. So you're dealing with, what would it be, 8 to 10%? Uh, no, no, yeah, something like that. Um, one eighth to, which would actually be 12 and change, 12.5. Uh, I, I think in a world of universal and enfranchisement, where you, you, the numbers could be as high as four or 500, it only makes sense to advance uh, the number. Uh, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee was prepared to uh, change that number, uh, to uh, propose that we change the number from 25 to 50. Uh, some of the old guard gave us some serious pushback on that. Um, and, and I think it's you, you need to take the temperature of the room and decide what's worth advancing. Does it have a reasonable chance of, of passing? Uh, I think we have needed to lay the groundwork for some of the rules that we need to consider to shorten the convention. And these series of meetings have been uh, a direct response to that perceived need to do more educating. I may have more to say about this if, when we reach question 10. Uh, the, but we can either take the number up from 25 or we can say where the uh, Zoom vote uh, is any higher than 60-40 split that, that that the record vote would not be permitted, would not be in order to put it in That's exactly what we talked about on Tuesday, John. Very good. So, um, yeah. John, is yeah. that a, now that the, the 25 to 50, I can't remember if that is a in the Constitution, which That's is in the Constitution. It's not bylaws. That's a two-thirds. Uh, two-thirds, it's an article okay. Three. So, so that's a, so that's that's a heavy lift. Provision. That's, that, that has a high bar. Mm -hmm. in order to, to, to okay. be changed. But I think so, from the people I'm talking to or have been talking to, there appears to now be some support for it, at least in recognition of the fact that uh, doing a convention beyond two weeks is untenable. It's mm -hmm. simply untenable. And, and I think, Matt, did you bring it up or someone else brought it up that if we had had it at 50 last year, we wouldn't have had, uh, I don't think, any of the record votes. One was 49. One, one was. Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Tell well, you know, I was just going to say is I think that's the thing is uh, that's been floated is do we raise it by a number 35, 45, 40, you know, whatever that number is? Or do we say a if the majority is you know 60 or above then there's no need for the even the ability to request a record vote because of the significance of the of the majority sorry for all the names so what you so what you're saying then matt is that uh when we did this before and we had a record vote with the 25 you know, twenty-five people standing and saying, "I, I want to, I want a record vote." They were so lopsided that there wasn't, particularly when you yeah. had a majority less than forty percent, forty percent on the negative side. Yep, that's exactly what well, we saw from the well, voting side. And yeah, and you know, the, the, there used to be a polite part of ACB culture that if you, you know, just got destroyed in the voice vote, that you wouldn't call for a record vote because it was a wide margin and there's no. There's no purpose to calling a record vote, and somehow we've 
forgotten that a little bit. So, you know, I think that this piggybacks with, you know, with a thought process that, you know, where as members, you know, are we restricting member member voice? Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's, you know, when it's overwhelmingly clear, I, 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 I can't see how that's a restriction of member voice, you know, of of someone being, you know, quieted. Anthony, if it's an, yeah, this may be an untenable or not untenable. This this may be an, an unpopular decision. But if we're serious about holding about streamlining to two and, weeks, there's yeah. going to be some restrictions. The, the, what some things that are unpopular is that there are going to be trade offs for this brave new world of universal enfranchisement, which Zoom and Vote Now have given us. There are going to be trade offs. And I and I think so, you make so, it. Go ahead, Tony. So I would, and what we were talking about is, you know, maybe, so we have the, the number. So maybe we do two different, um, you know, the constitution or bylaw thing that, you know, then this would be under John's realm. But so we, we raise it to a number, but then as Matt said, and we talked about on Tuesday topic, because we do a percentage. So we threw out the percentage of like 40 or 45. And if it's not, you know, if you don't, hit 40 percent then there's no reason to have a roll call vote um so you can have one or the other but that's where we're looking at is some people might like a percentage more than a hard number but you know and some people say well we could have both but that's where the discussion was is that i think we have to have something to go up i mean it's just going to have to change as john said but this Connie, is... then how would you decide which one you and do you go with the sixty forty? Do you go with the the hard number? And I think I... that's and that's 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 why we were saying, and that's what the discussion was on Tuesday is but... right. But having it having maybe having it both presented this year um, as a change <clears throat> to the constitution to a hard number, or let our and let our members decide: do they want a a number, or do they want a percentage? And, and then come back the following choice. year with, okay. So I think That's... the other thing that came up also on this was putting the percentage 60-40. So if you have less than 40%, it, you put it in the standing rules, which everyone agrees to, let's say, and you say less than 40%, the chair is not going to ask for a roll call vote. Now, and, and will not entertain a request for such. It well, no, right. Yeah. right. Well, well, exactly. in, no, no, no. But, under those circumstances. No, I, I, no, but remember, John, we, we, I got beat up on this on Tuesday topics. I think I still have a few of the scars. <laughs> you did. The, you got beat up. I'm so sorry I missed that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Not missed. You could see me get too, beat John. up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but the, the point that I got beat up on, which I, Paul was good at beating me up on this, was the fact that because you still have the the 25 in there if according to the constitution if the 25 people stand up and you haven't changed that in the constitution that does would take precedence over the standing rules right yep. oh yeah yeah right but the majority you know but i'm i'm also agreeing a couple of things that we thought about one the president doesn't or who's ever presiding doesn't need to call for a roll call vote every time because all of us jack-in-the-boxes love to jump up and demand the whatever you know and if it's in the standing rules we're saying hey it's in the standing rules 
we really you really need to understand what's in the standing rules because you've agreed mm. to them and then you put that in the standing rules and it may cut down the 60 40 rule may cut down enough of the um you know, calling for the roll call so that it would dissuade people from being jack in the boxes and jumping right up like that i have a question though and i and i asked this as a member of voting task force um this any if we go to a percentage it presumes that everyone is voting via zoom and so it can't be some sort of integrated you know people just saying yay or nay from the floor everyone in the hall has to be doing a zoom vote which is recorded not not attributable to the voter themselves but if you see what i'm saying in other words you can't talk percentages unless you have hard numbers and you don't have hard numbers when people are yelling out yay or nay wouldn't a show of hands in the room um yeah show of hands with counters could do it yes okay sheila are there any hands on this question point john yeah no. Well, the other part of it, too, is how do you know that somebody who's raising their hand doesn't have their laptop in front of them and double casting? Oh, God, it becomes a nightmare. <laughs> and hopefully people are behaving with integrity, but, you know, you, you need safeguards, too. So the percentage thing worries me from that standpoint. <coughs> I, I, without those considerations or concerns, you mean the 60, I sort 40 of like percentage, percentage over a hard number. You mean yeah. the 60 40 percentage, John? Yeah, I, I like that. I prefer that a bit over a hard number, but how do you police it? Well, I think the, that... what you say is that if you have a 60 40 split in the vote and the percentage of people voting, let's say no, is below 40 percent, that the presiding officer would not call for a roll call vote. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get that part of it, Pat, but. but... You that really takes away. You'd have to have a counting. You'd have to have a counted vote, right, uh, on, the, on floor. the floor. And right. we still haven't. And the, the, there's no and way to know if somebody has. There's no way to know whether somebody didn't just also decide with the laptop in front of them to right. Pretend yeah, to be. the standing rule. I mean, the standing vote of twenty twenty five versus fifty. I think is a a neater solution, but that remember we've got to get two thirds yeah of the membership and that's a high i dare bar. say if we put yeah. you know what if we put out 50 as we have been planning to do this year mm -hmm. uh, i have an ira in mid six figures that says that somebody will jump up to amend to a lower number <laughs> no problem <laughs> i like that ira though john thinking of retiring so yeah i can go for that. Well, this is Sunday edition, and I don't think we can necessarily solve this question today, but um, for folks that are listening on the podcast version of this show, we've already heard that uh, the members here, Connie, John, um, Matt, and and Pat, are definitely amenable to hearing your comments via email. Um, so let's go on to seven. We're at seven yep. now, right? Yeah. Seven. Should the elections still start during opening session? Think this Anybody feel passionate? Yeah. Raise your hand. Yeah, Sheila, no, right? No, sir. I think this is an easy one. Let's go on to eight. In the current environment, I don't think you have any other choice. And uh, I don't exactly. want to have a big discussion about this, but I wonder why or how it is that we're not doing anything until Sunday night this coming year. But uh, mm -hmm. somebody can tell me that offline, as it were. <laughs> but, All right, Connie, right. you're up. Eight. Do you think 
do you find this did I'm the okay did you find the standing <laughs> rules I, I was like damn did you find the standing rules confusing this past year if so how would you propose to simplify or clarify them so um in i'm gonna our take show host i'm gonna take show host um privilege and say <laughs> if you know if you availed yourself <laughs> to to listening I, it, it seemed pretty straightforward um you know if you if you paid attention you know you knew what you were hearing you knew what you were what you know what you were agreeing to uh connie what notes do you have so basically it was under um number seven and that's where we had the dis huge discussion last year during um mm. it was during um let's see what does this actually say but yeah it's under seven do we recommend only friendly amendments is kind of what we the notes say so that's where we came into this discussion and why we had this question was it the number seven is what people argued about during our and i think and, go ahead go ahead no no it you go. I was going to say, I think we love friendly amendments. They're easy to work with. But I think that you can't, uh, you know, you can't um, say no to the amendments, you know, as far as the ones that are more controversial. Uh, I think where we got ourselves tied into knots last year is that we were amending the amendment to the amendment. And that yep. was a problem of... Uh, I would say maybe consistent information coming from several different points. I think we'll, I think that's going to be clarified this year. And, and so we'll get a better, we'll get a better ruling on what we should be doing when, but we were kind of tying ourselves up in knots and we got ourselves untied, but it took a while. Well, and, and I do feel that we are a democracy and just because you're making an amendment, whether it's friendly or not, you should be allowed to do so. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, right. You should, right? And, you know, and it's a learning process. You know, we are still in infancy stages of of hybrid, and you know, vote now, all of it. So there are going to be things that that we learn from, and the only way we're going to learn from them is by actually experiencing it live on the floor and on Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. All right, Connie, what's up next? All right, um, number nine. How can we do better informing of what is going on or how can you be informed better of what's going on? So basically is, you know, we do the, uh, I do my stuff, my um, cheat sheets, everyone talks about, um, we have it on Alexa, we have the announce. Some people say that we should be doing more to inform people of how, what's going on with the voting resolutions, constitution, um, is there other ways that we're not doing um, for people that think that they should be informed better? Before we, before <laughs> I mean, we were the that we've had our, our perfect example of our, our attempting to address that concern. Maybe we need to do more of them, but, but the flip side of that is that people have a concomitant responsibility to show up for some of these meetings and to educate themselves. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was the point I was going to make before before I we said, recognize said Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You know, this is it. This has been a through line for Sunday edition. Brennan Shealy can tell you. You know, there is a certain amount of responsibility that we as members take on if we want to be part of the process. We are. You know, we are bound by the process to inform ourselves. 
to to be a, a part of that process. So I'm going to ask that for this question, um, please actually have a, a solution in mind if you speak on it. Um, but welcome up, Jamaica. It's been a while. Welcome back to Sunday Edition. Yes, um, my <clears throat> my solution is to um, for the uh, for the voting um, uh, voting and resolutions and stuff that I would like to see them be a little bit earlier on on um, ACB radio, um, ACB media, if it could happen. And secondly, I would like to see that if there's going to be any changes to Zoom that comes up, that we're going to be using something new on Zoom, that I would like to see that happen as to have a Zoom call about that before, before we, before we just go into having the brand new Zoom, uh, Zoom thing that that was that was a total surprise <laughs> so. and i think jamaica this is pat uh i know that the it's a 60 day uh, period for uh when resolutions are due so we're probably somewhere in april uh constitution as well and yeah. constitution right. and bylaws so that we brought them into sync so because right. the, the same rationale obtained like in order to get them really vetted we needed to you know no more mm -hmm. handing it over the transom on the second day of convention exactly. right yeah. so so i think that's good the other thing that i i like that they did and i'm sorry uh gabe isn't here because i want to say some nice things about him and jeff and uh and ray is that uh, they also had it set up so that they, you know on monday or tuesday or what was it tuesday thursday last year they would be dealing with these resolutions so you knew when the resolutions were coming up to the resolutions uh -huh. committee and they they stayed pretty well on topic on those and I, I thought that was very well done so that as a maker of a motion you could be there to explain your rationale and thinking and all of that sort of thing so i i think the uh i think the um the uh, resolutions process has gotten better over time uh, and I think that having the 60 day threshold is is good. I think one of the things we learned last year was making sure that, you know, that things didn't pop at the last minute and trying to figure out, you know, is this an emergency resolution coming through or was this something that, um, you know, we should wait. Could, until have, been handled. Could yeah. have been handled. Yeah. And I, I think some of what I think some of what we found out is that some of these issues have been sort of been been brewing for a while and they could have been handled and they weren't as much of an emergency as we might have thought they were hard to know though and i just i just want to say on um for myself you know you know john for constitution two has done you know has had open meetings so definitely you know he had his on tuesday or thursdays i believe you know so you, you have to just kind of pay attention to those and on the community, but for myself, you know, I I get out all of the, the what they call the cheat sheets, um, or as Ray or Jeff or someone would call now the the book on on stuff. And I it takes a lot of work to get that done. Um, some things I just get to update from year to year, but it's a huge process for me to do that. I I don't do it just. I mean, so Jeff is the vice chair, Pat's the chair, so everything I do goes through them. And then 
it probably sees Deb, and then I work with Nancy, and then it goes back to Jeff and Pat probably, and then I have to get so before we could just send stuff out. And then when Jen was here, we kind of went through Jen communications and this is with all media stuff too. So there's a process that all has to be done. They've changed some of the processes last year. So then Kelly would send out everything. I don't know how it will go now this year with Kelly being gone, but it has to go through so many people. So I will start working on my stuff like soon. And then, it might not go out for a month or two, but it, it's a process. So we get it out. There was, there's times that it didn't get out as fast as we wanted it, but we, we Honey, had to I'm, wait for I'm gonna, people. I'm going to jump in and say, I, you know, honestly, then this is me again as Sunday Edition host. There, there were ample opportunities for, uh, for right. membership to inform themselves, including coming on Sunday Edition, Tuesday Topics Held, Topics I believe Visibilities did as well. There were community calls. And then each resolution had its its moment on the Tuesdays and the Thursdays. You know, there is ample opportunity for you to get the information. You have to you have to take a, a small amount of onus as a member and say, if I care about this piece of the process, I'm I'm gonna find the way to inform myself. Um Cindy, okay. you know, and the daily schedules even put out look here, look there, go to ACB Media here. Right. This show is doing this. So you know, I, I think you guys do a great job at, at getting the information out there. I think the process could be streamlined, absolutely, but that's not the conversation we're having today. So right. this no, next and I, question, I th- oh, go ahead. And I just, and I just want, I do. And I just want to say, I just wanted to make that comment because I have heard from people that things took too long last year for me to, for my stuff to come out. So I wanted to let people know that I'm sorry that it did, but yeah, there's processes that I have to follow. So I just wanted to clarify that part. And if I could, Anthony, I have I, sure. have, I have two questions um, because I don't need the, the service. Is there a phone number that members without email, without access to a Lady A, without access to the web, that they can call and have the resolutions read to them? Because I do not use it. I do not know. Is that Washington Connection? I don't I would know. say so. Yeah, I would. I, I, I don't question. remember if it went out that way last year, but I think it is definitely something worth exploring for this year. Um, again, you know, the process, it's a, we're still in the learning process. And, and Connie, I do, I think you would definitely agree your end of it could be streamlined a little bit more. Um, but as far as it getting out there, um, if it wasn't on the Washington Connection, that is something that we should definitely think about. The call-in schedule that's done for the community calls isn't being utilized during convention week. Um, or maybe there could be a secondary, you know, hit one for the schedule, hit two for resolutions. But that's something I think you guys will explore offline in committee, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly the other right. piece to what Connie is talking about is, uh, I think, making sure that we know what the processes for getting things out from the official level at, at the ACB. Yes. Uh, you know, so so they're happy with it. The officers, you know, the, the board and officers are happy with the concurrence process. And so we'll, uh, that, that was a little bit yeah. flexible last year. Right. Uh, but I think that if we start in January and say, okay, this is what we're going to be doing come the spring, 
so we need to know what the approval process is for anything going out from uh, voting task force. We should be able to and get we, that. Yeah. We do announcements here on Sunday edition. I know Paul is always welcoming to anyone on his show as well as Terry. So, you know, when those when those processes are in place, we can socialize it through there. And, oh, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, if he, another I, I hate to say this, but, you know, if you know a member in, of your local or state chapter uh, affiliate who only accesses their stuff via the phone lines, you know, hey, reach out and tell them or tell your, you know, your state affiliate president or or your local chapter president. You know, we're we're a family or I hope we should be a family. We should make sure that that everybody that wants to be informed has a way of being informed. And and some of that is on us as members. But let's go on to 10 because I do think that this is going to this Sheila. is going to be some discussion. So let's uh, Connie, yes. roll it. <laughs> I'm just going to I thought Sheila had a second question. Question. No, oh, sorry, Sheila. No, oh. no, no, we're good. Okay. okay. All right. This is the elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> Ten. Should affiliate voting go away? All and right. I'm thinking that way. <laughs> Beef, I, there I no would second actually... to that question. I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> I would actually like the three of you to to just weigh in on what's been said so far from your perspective before we take before we start taking the hands. Well, we got Matt, so we got four. So four. Yeah. Sorry, that's right. Hey, Matt. Sorry. All right, Pat. So John, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, you I go can, first. So I can oh. I can start. So I think one of the interesting things, of course, the affiliate vote. I think we've all heard everyone has um, has uh, is enfranchised to vote. Uh, understand why the affiliate vote was set up years ago. Does that condition still exist? Uh, and, you know, that's been talked about a lot. And maybe we'll get more of that discussion today. So I won't go there. But the interest, other interesting thing is if, another question to ask, as John brought up earlier, if you raise the, um, if you raise the stand, the standing vote whatever from 25 to 50 how many how many affiliate votes are you gonna are you gonna get and so that would be an interesting discussion to have um yeah. so so that's been something that's come up particularly Wait, Pat, you, i don't understand when you so, uh, the affiliate when you count from 25 to 50 or any of that those those are individual people on the floor of the convention right. or that are going to ask for a not in a representative capacity somebody from uh cclvi doesn't get to stand up and say uh uh add 10 votes to that because cclvi wants no no no, no. You're, you're right I'm about confused. that yeah no you're right but you will call for the standing vote you know right now you have it at 25 right if you put it at 50 how many of you know how many of those affiliate votes you know will you get or will it just be so one just, person, one it, vote? Yeah. It doesn't person, matter with the affiliate. It doesn't matter with the affiliate vote, though. It, no. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I think here. I think what Pat's you. trying to say is how many record votes would you record get votes. if you? I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. You're right, Matt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. How many record votes? That would cut down on the record votes. Yeah. You're right, Matt. Well, we we need to understand several things. I think. First of all, doing the affiliate vote is usually time consuming. It, it is. Um, but that is not, I mean, if it was worth doing, then you just 
factor that in and, and accommodate it. But here's the point, and I'll kind of speak as a lawyer, <laughs> with a lawyer-like reasoning. Um, when there's any question about what a statute intended uh, and what, uh, what was intended to be advanced by the passage of a particular statute, it is a fairly common practice, although less honored in some jurisdictions than others, um, that you look to the legislative history. And I wish I could point to a specific part of legislative history here, but it is a common understanding. Um, I guess Durwood isn't around anymore to ask, and he's been dead almost 39 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, 29, actually. Here's, here's my point that it is believed that the whole rationale for the affiliate vote was to accommodate those who could not be at convention. Now that we live in a world of universal enfranchisement where the economic bar is, I won't say non-existent, but almost so. I mean, it presumes you have a computer. It presumes perhaps you have a telephone and, and, and who doesn't. I think that rationale of the, the uh, philosophical uh, underpinning of, of the uh, or rationale for the affiliate vote is totally vitiated. Now, the other thing I'll address is that I think some consternation has been raised about the fractional votes people receive when they join more than one affiliate. I would find it very, very strange to learn that people become members of multiple affiliates to get that 125th fractional vote for every affiliate. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I find that incredibly suspect. People are gonna join, and I'll speak as one who is a member of either seven or eight affiliates. I can't even keep track. You know, there's, I'm a legacy member in Virginia, Arizona <clears throat> Bits, Amateur Radio, FIA, okay, Guide Dog users, because I believe in their cost strongly. That's six right there. But, but here's my point, I didn't join them to get a fraction vote. I joined them because I believe in their mission. I believe I have something to contribute, contribute to the mission because it represents, if you will, an affinity group for me, be it technology, be it, be it technology or amateur radio or, or whatever. Uh, I didn't join for the fractional vote. So I find that suspect. Um, uh, and and I do, I'm beginning to feel fairly strongly that with the legitimating predicate for the affiliate vote practice, it really haven't been taken off the table with universal enfranchisement. Its retention isn't justified, particularly when you consider what it costs us in, term of, in terms of time and efficiency. Yeah, so what you're I, I want saying is one person, one vote, right, John? And you don't have yes, the one person, one vote, vote. You know, yeah. and and yeah. I don't know whether I should go here, because, but the fact of the matter is that that's probably suspect from the standpoint of compliance with DC code. However, I wouldn't let no one, the people in the DC, uh, what was DCRA previously, uh, Consumer and Regulatory Affairs, I got other things to do than to put a microscope on our practices. But, uh, but I, I'm a firm believer in one person, one vote. If you don't attend a convention in today's environment, it's because you're not sufficiently interested, not because you're economically barred from participation. Yeah, I, I want to piggyback on on what you're saying there, because, you know, I've, I've heard in the conversation, oh, you know, my affiliate 
uh, you know, I trust my affiliate vote process and I, I don't have the time or I can't or whatever can be there for the couple of hours for whatever resolutions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I trust my affiliate vote. At this point, you know, we schedule the convention in a way that, you know, we we're on schedule more than we're off schedule. And so, you know, if it's one person, one vote, if if you want to exercise your right to vote, you'll drop in for those discussions for that period of vote, of vote period portion. It, you know, at using the affiliate as a, a fail safe isn't what the affiliate vote was meant to do in the first place. Um, okay, so I hear a chat and I know that there's some hands up. So if anybody on the panel has something strong that they want to say, otherwise, let's start taking the hands. Well, let me answer Kathy, because Kathy, if you have not gotten the got it when you came in, because the meeting is being recorded, I would recommend you go out and come back in and then tab to the got it button. And that is why you cannot do anything. Probably. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I'm probably wrong. Oh, thank you. Thank so, you, Sheila. All right, Carla, go ahead. Hello. Um, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Another reason she might not be able to get through. Jaws has been losing focus big time the last few days in Zoom. Anyhow, um, I say that should the affiliate vote go away? Absolutely not. It still has viability, and I'll tell you why. I, I agree with you that people don't just join affiliates to get more individual votes, but the affiliate vote sort of works like electoral votes in a way because it equalizes things. Um, you know what I mean? If it was just one vote only, um, it you know it it puts in a sense a a sense of checks and balances because some of the bigger states would just influence everything some of the bigger affiliates would just influence everything if there wasn't also this proportional affiliate vote secondly the affiliate vote gives affiliate members a voice and it gives uh, affiliates a voice and it gives the individual affiliate members some ownership over it. Okay. So let's say we have a, an affiliate, I'm sorry, a, a, um, a bylaw or a resolution or something that deals with, with Braille. Okay. The Braille Revival League sponsors that they bring it forth, um, you know, and, and, and then um, that affiliate vote has a lot more value because it, it, it gives them, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but it gives them a voice. So I think it does serve a valuable point, a valuable purpose. It may be worth, it may be a lot of trouble, but I think it puts in a sense of, checks and balances and also a sense of of um, ownership so that's what i'm going to say i'm going to jump in here for a moment and say carla thank you so much that was very well stated you you, you had a point you backed the point up i hope all the comments are like that i'm going to ask the members of the panel do the numbers that we know you know can we look at numbers do do the numbers bear out what caller is saying is there from my perspective, and I, I, I'm often wrong, it seems like the affiliate vote almost always carries to uh, the quote-unquote popular vote or the floor vote. So do well, the numbers bear out what Carl is saying? I'll chime in here a bit and say, and, and this is a testament to the integrity of the people who are um, managing uh, and casting the uh, affiliate votes. Uh, I think 
practically all affiliates now are canvassing their members or the ones who choose to participate and apportioning their votes accordingly, which means that you're really just getting a sort of shrunken down mirror image of the vote on the floor. Obviously, when you you know are limited yeah. to half vote increments, um, you can't go any any finer incrementally than, than a half vote. So there's going to be a certain amount of rounding. But I think where people are behaving with that level of integrity, and I don't know that that's always been the case, uh, but it appears to be now, that the, the, the affiliate vote is simply going to mirror what's going on on the floor. Um, I think in the past, you had cabals of individuals and very powerful affiliates who would just kind of get together and yeah, oh, we're a 20 vote, 22, 25 vote affiliate. This is the way we should vote. I'm not going to point to specific examples, but but I could. Uh, I don't think that would be productive and it would only gain me needless enemies. Um, but but the point, is, you know, I'll stand on what I've said uh, that that it, it's just going to mirror the the uh, it, if people are behaving with integrity in in apportioning the affiliate vote to in whatever manner they have a caucus, whatever they do. It's just a gratuitous and unnecessary replication with rounding errors of, of what goes on on the floor. Uh, the, the popular vote, the one man, one vote, the attendees vote. Uh, the, uh, Anybody else on the panel want to weigh in on this before we take the next hand? Yeah, I would say, uh, thank you, Anthony. I would also say that the assumption that the bigger states would be running the organization because they have the most people you're also making an and i'm not i'm not arguing either way but this argument has come up is that everyone within i don't know, let's say florida or california is thinking the same way and i don't think that's the case i think that you've got individuals who are making individual votes based on um their needs and wants and education and all and everyone in florida or everyone in california is not going to agree with uh absolutely helpful yeah you know and the secondary byproduct to that carla love you and love i love the question thank you for raising it but the secondary byproduct (laughs) of that is that all the members of florida or california could collate together and say you know let's go get 25 of us here in gdui 25 of us here in bpi 25 of us in cclv you know in effect the vote that you know we have to we have to hope and and assume that our, the leaders of all of our affiliates are are leading with integrity, and that we as as members are are leading and voting with integrity. All right, and, let's. And, when, and when, what I what I was going to also say though is that is not to say that Carla's point of view is is not valid. Absolutely, absolutely. is absolutely is valid, and so I'm giving counterpoints of with some of the other discussions that we've had on some of the other shows. <laughs> You know, we want to think about A and B, so that good things to consider. Well, and I will tell here. you, I will tell you, as president of Florida, who has done the delegate vote for the past couple of years since we've gone hybrid, I have between twenty-five and thirty people that actually call me or text mm-hmm. me to give me their vote for the affiliate vote. We've got almost six hundred members. Mm-hmm. That to me is not very good numbers. That ratio carries through to BPI as well. And and that's where, you know, I say that we, you know, we need to put some onus back on the members themselves. They have to be involved in the process. Amanda. Hi. 
Hi. You're good. Um, hi. Uh, I, I love all the points that have been brought up so far. Um, they're really, really good things to think about. Um, it, especially what Anthony just said that, you know, we had to put the ownership back on their our members. And that's something that I stress here. So those of you that were on the president's call uh, with me the other day, you already know my position. I, I think the affiliate vote should stay um, for all the reasons that Carla mentioned and brought up. I don't, um, and, and another point I want to bring here is what Artis Bazin said about RSVA and IV. Yes, we give people a window to vote individually, but she said like, you know, with the large population of vendors and entrepreneurs, you know, that they, 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 they just can't, you know, they don't stop and they don't vote. So, you know, we had, and that could be the case for any of us. We just don't stop and we're, we're busier than ever because of, you know, the generations that are coming after us, we're busier than other. Um, and so I think that it, it's there. I, I think I, I love how Carla put it, the checks and balances. I think that's valid. But another thing is, is we don't, we don't have the data um, to, to just go off individual votes. Um, you know, I, I think the report was last year we had somewhere between seven and 8,000 members. But when Nancy gives those report and she says, sorry, our kids are around us. And um, when she says we only have like, you know, less, you know, 400 people or less individuals voting, that, that really concerns me. So what does this tell me as an affiliate president? This is not just for the affiliate vote. This tells me that we need to educate our members on, you know, how how this whole process works. And I do my part as an affiliate president, as I know a lot of our other affiliate leadership does as well. So whether so whether that's the case or not, I, I feel like we we need to get that data there um, beforehand. But I also want to point out that I believe that if we keep this affiliate vote around, we do need to come up with another process on how to to do it so yeah um because i i so anthony the other day on the president's call i said this because i feel like i might have put the bug in somebody else's ear and the bug spread i um i said to someone i said man we have vote now um we have all this technology why can't the delegates go in and report their votes, and that automatically just gets add, added up and sent to the secretary and our supervisor of elections. So I, I'm i the one that proposed or put the bug in somebody's ear. I don't know who. <laughs> but when that amendment came up last year, John, I wanted to fight for that because I, because I thought it was valid. Um, however, it was misinterpreted. Um, it was assumed that the secretary would receive you know, 68 emails from delegates and phone call uh, from 68 emails or phone calls from the delegates. And that's not what my intention was. My intention was those of us who do have the technology skills to use the vote now system would use that. Those of us now we would have to figure out how to streamline this a little bit better. Those of us who are more comfortable calling the secretary with our votes could do that. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot because as someone who was on the delegate side um, in 2022, 
And then, you know, just watching Denise confirm that information. We voted on four affiliate or excuse me, four um, amendments and three resolutions in 2022. I, I really do feel like we need to simplify that process. I mean, I, I, it's overwhelming on both sides, but I do recognize all of the points that were that were brought forward and I'm, I'm not ignoring you. I just feel like with the rich tradition that I grew up in with ACV, it's only been five years. I feel like the affiliate vote gives a voice to members that they don't realize they have until they use it. And I do my part to make sure my members understand that and make sure that their members count. And I am an affiliate leader who does apportion her votes accordingly. Thank you, Amanda. I, I, I think everything you said was very well stated. Um, if we if the organization as a whole decides to use this year as a data point collection, I, I would strongly encourage that we also look at the affiliate um, uh, caucus process, whether it be sending text messages, et cetera, and see what the percentages are. are is there any difference between the personalized, you know, the personal vote and the percentage of membership voting in the affiliates, because I think that, that that's a data point that would show us a lot of information as well. Panelists? Well, I think that's a oh. good idea. I, I, I imagine what you are envisioning is sort of canvassing the uh, affiliate presidents or the cognizant individuals within the affiliate that are responsible. Yes. I think. In, in normal instances, that would be the president who's ultimately responsible, okay, for determining how their affiliate votes are um, apportioned, but I think we already have a good amount of data. Uh, I don't have my hands on it right now, but I have the raw material from all the votes that Nancy uh, announced, and the uh, the you know uh, the the popular vote. Let's call it that. The the, the popular vote correlates very closely with the we'd have to yeah vote. we'd have to look at it. it it would be interesting because you know our votes are are secret we you know we do not have to disclose so we you know we'd have to look at percentages rather than you know individual you know let's say individual a voted in the popular oh, yeah, vote, not, individual no, no one's a talking vote. about that we're just talking about the raw numbers the raw numbers yeah it would be All interesting right, so, yeah to, to figure out so, sheila yours is interesting because you know you know, 30 out of 600, what percentage of that and, and how does that stack up with some of the other organizations? Um, state affiliates versus special interest affiliates, you know, do you see a higher percentage of, um, you know, votes coming in from, let's say, Lua or BRL or something like that, or GDUI, as opposed to Florida? I don't know. I mean, we, we, I don't think we've ever asked that question for Anthony, and that's where these discussions are, are good because uh, we don't have that data, that data point you're looking for. I don't know I'm how this that. should factor in, but what I find somewhat disheartening is the number of affiliates we have that are like three, two, or even one. I mean, I come from a state with, it's gone down to one affiliate vote. Uh, some of the, and that's true of, well, amateur radio operating, the ham affiliate, you know, there's so many affiliates now where when you look at the amount and of hours at all that's invested uh, to decide how you're going to cast one vote, I, I shake my head. Uh, I'm not sure how much that should impact the decision to abandon affiliate voting, but it's less important or its importance gets diminished as, let's 
guess our membership demanded about it as our membership yeah. uh, the affiliates memberships decrease and there uh there's only a handful of affiliates that have uh affiliate and, you know in 10 you know in in the tens uh, about in two digits say that and we should look and see if the if the percentages are different with our at-large members versus members that identify within affiliates and if we that's can, you know, true, we can, and I'm not saying it is or isn't, but that would right. point to an inordinate. Not it's not only not a check on the popular vote; it skews it in an illegitimate, what, what I would consider to be an illegitimate way, fashion. You know, it if sounds like, and and I I know we can't make any conclusions, but it definitely sounds like it is worth thinking about using this as an investment year to truly collect the data and to truly give everybody the opportunity to participate in the process in whatever way and forms they want to, and then have a true picture, you know, maybe around this time next year with what it, it looked like in a full hybrid convention. All right, let's go to the next hand because I know there are a few up. Sheila, who's up? Kathy Casey. Alt-A, if you're on a computer, we'll unmute you. If you're on the Mac, it's Command-Shift-A. And if you're on your smart device, it's in the lower All right. Way. There How's you are. There we go. Yay. Uh, okay. Um, I found out what happened anyway. Uh, my opinion is if I'm, I'm a member of an affiliate, I'm a member of my state affiliate, a member of a special interest affiliate, member of a couple of them, one of the benefits of that affiliate is to be able to vote. So that I'm just going to throw that out. I'm making it simple and easy, but I do have another comment on one of the other questions and I'll wait till this is done and I'll, I'll come back and I'll make sure we come back to you. Absolutely. Yep. Sheila, me. give me a five minute reminder. If we, if we're going that far. I will. All right. Yeah, next. I will. All right. Let me, Margie, Let me throw, oh, I'm sorry oh I was just going to throw something out. And one of that, uh, back to what Kathy just said, one of the suggestions that came up that I thought was uh, useful was, you know, the special interest affiliates uh, really need to be, um, you know, they're feeling, if they feel that they're not, if they're losing representation or say so within the organization, uh, maybe placing more of them within the steering committees. So that they have a voice at that level. And I thought that was an That's interesting a great thing. suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I can't take credit for it. That one came from Doug Paul. <laughs> thanks, Doug. Yeah, All thanks, right. Doug. Margie. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to justify it. I am absolutely opposed to affiliate votes, given that every member can vote. That being said, I belong to some professional organizations. And if you don't attend, you don't vote. And um, I was not around in the beginning of ACB. I'm not that old, but I've been around for 40-something years, started as a student. And the reason, we have, the reason we have affiliate votes is because we had no way to represent people who were not at the convention. That's the premises on what affiliate voting started with. I also want to say I have witnessed on the convention floor <laughs> affiliates not splitting their votes to represent their members properly and i witnessed where some affiliates had to vote under the unit rule which does not represent all of their members and um the last thing i will say is those that don't find the time to vote or those don't care enough and we do have 
a lot of members at the local chapter level who are not that into the national level or even the state level. And I see that in some affiliates I belong to. I see that in my state organization. You know, when we're local to members, they're very interested in us. But when they get to the state level, we have a lot that don't show up, don't participate. And that's because we're local members and that's all they want to be. So I would give a renouncing yes to get rid of affiliate voting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Margie. You know, that's a point I definitely would would like to comment on. I think, you know, we need to remember that it is perfectly fair and valid for members to choose how they wish to participate. And we do have to give consideration to the fact that when we are talking about these numbers, there is a significant portion of the membership that is not interested in the politics of the whole organization. Having said that, I I do think, me personally, Anthony Corona, Sunday edition, not BPI or anyone else, I do think that data collection, a data collection cycle, one more with targeted data that we're looking at could be really helpful to look at this position. Sheila, who's up next? Dan. Hi, so I have a question. Why is the affiliate vote not secret? Like if I... Why does my president get to know how I'm voting? I, that's a that's that, that's a question that each affiliate would answer for themselves. Um, so I, I would strongly urge you to speak to you know your affiliate and or special interest affiliate leadership and 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 talk about how they choose their collection of, Wait, of are there affiliates affiliate that votes. Do it other than affecting the president. None that I'm involved in. Um, panelists, are there any that do it completely well, I didn't, secret? I didn't hear his last question, and then I do have a comment. Um, so, are you- there any affiliates that do ha- do that do their uh, vote collection in secret? Well, I will tell you. Back in the days when it was not hybrid, um, let's say we had ten people, and I was in I was part of Virginia then. Uh, we had let's say we had ten people sitting in the Virginia section on the floor of the convention. Um, I would say if you want candidate A, put a penny in this cup. If you want candidate B, put a nickel in. And I would pass the cup. I had no knowledge of who was putting what coin in there. It presumes that everyone had both those denominations of coinage available to them. But there, there you go. So that was the way, it, that was an easy way to handle things on the floor. However, if you are canvassing your members, uh, and you can only accept either text messages or emails, then I don't see how you could do that in a way that's not attributed unless you had some kind of third-party person. Um, well, you, that person would know. that There's, there's no way to cast an, a, an anonymous vote in that circumstance uh, because you send a text message, it's attributable to you. It, it traces back to you. Ditto for emails. I think... I think I understand your point, but I don't see a solution uh, if in the role, envisioning myself in the role of a, an affiliate president, which I am not now and don't seek to be. Uh, I don't see how I could collect that information anonymously, except if everyone was there in person and we could have different tokens and you know pass around a plate, a dish, whatever. And say, yeah. Great question, Dan. I think, you know, there are probably others out there who were interested in knowing the same thing. All right, Sheila, who's up next? That's all. All right. So, um, any 
Any final thoughts from the panelists on question 10? Up. Anthony, if I may, um, I guess one thing, always keep in, one thing to always keep in mind with the affiliate vote is, you know, ACB doesn't mandate its affiliates how they calculate or how they determine how they're going to cast their affiliate vote. So while a lot of them do proportion, some of them do just vote on, hey, we had, you know, five people said X and three people said Y. So we're putting all our votes into, into you know, X. So, you know, different. Yeah. And, and no to get into that conversation stuff. would would infringe on affiliate rights. You know, that we, we are told we are able to govern our affiliates the way we see fit. Um, so, yeah, great point. Any other panelists want to want to weigh in on question 10? We have oh, what, two more, right, Connie? Yeah. I'll just say yeah, one, one more. One quick thing, I think, as far as the affiliates are concerned, uh, special interest affiliates, you know, we've heard all kinds of dire consequences. You know, um, uh, you know, this will be the death knell of the special interest affiliates taking away the vote and that sort of thing. I think I'm not quite sure I agree with that. I think that particularly under the current format that we have right now um, with the special interest affiliates uh, doing so much programming during the year, I think they're as strong as ever. And I think that uh, it's up to the that special interest affiliate, just like it is the state affiliates, to put together a good program. Uh, you know, if you don't have the affiliate vote, we're going to have you know, you're going to be competing for members. And a lot of that's going to be based on, uh, you know, the effort of your organization or where your people lie, you know, as far as what what the, what do they consider important? Again, uh, Dan, I think it's a question of affinity groups. I mean, and I don't mean to be ridiculously myopic on this point, but why would somebody join an affiliate just to get 125th of a vote? I don't get it. You know, I can't speak for all special interest affiliates, but I'm in three of them. And and the ones, the members that are engaged and are part of programming and that are, you know, making their voices known, they're there because they believe in the mission of the affiliate. I, I really can't see somebody paying dues just to have the, the barest fraction, 125th, thank you, uh, of a vote. All right, Connie, let's go to 11. The other thing that oh, I was going to say, uh, Anthony, yeah. just for one final thought. Remember, part of our charge here was to see what we could do to streamline the, Absolutely. the convention. And and you had to take one step. This would be the step to take. It would speed things up. One person, one vote, boom, we're done. All right. Question 11, and then we'll have general comments to close us out. Yeah. So, And I have to leave early. So I'm going to read the comments. Read the question, Anthony, and then I'm probably just going to make a couple comments, and then I need to go leave right. and open up another Zoom room. Thank so. you so much for your time today. Um, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, so number 11, are there any other areas of the voting process that we have overlooked that can improve the overall efficiency and accuracy of our business processes? Um, so I think, you know, everyone could just answer that, but you know, I, I didn't comment on the affiliate. I mean, I have some feelings on it, but I'm not going to say one thing, but I, Pat said, you know, this would speed everything up. I think there's other ways to speed it up. I think having maybe, you know, Amanda's made some comments about how the affiliate votes can be 
collected, you know, over time or, you know, beforehand. I, I just think there is a lot to be looked into. I think data is really important for all of us to look at. We have some data. Of course, we always have to get some more data. But I, I just want to thank everyone, um, from me from myself and the voting task force, um, for participating in this, because I think this has been really a good good thing for us. Um, and it's a learning process, as Anthony said, it's you, we learn as we go, you know, it's a new, something new. So, um, but we're always open to hear people, if you know, anyone wants to get a hold of us, um, please reach out. But I just want to thank Anthony for having us and um, appreciate everything. So that's all I have. Absolutely. Thanks. Panelists, any comments before we go to the hands? The uh... Uh, sort of going along with what Connie just said, uh, I know that the next thing will be, since we've done the presidents and the shows, uh, we will be starting with the affiliates. And so getting back in touch with Connie, making sure that uh, I know, I think the Midwest uh, group is going to be meeting relatively soon. So we want to start out with, with, you know, the affiliates at that level. Uh, and get comments. You want to talk to us individually, we're happy to do it. Going through Connie is going to help. Uh, that way we can track them, the uh, hours that the uh, task force is spending. And also <laughs> Connie is very good at putting us all, pulling us all together, making sure we've got the right schedule. people in the right places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah, I, I would I would strongly encourage, you know, affiliates to maybe caucus and put together joint meetings, mm -hmm. um, you know, to have a, a wrap session just like Sunday edition from affiliate perspectives. All right, Sheila, who's up first? Penny. Hi, hey. Penny. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I uh, I got here late. I don't know if you've already talked about this or not, but I don't think so. Uh, so I was just wanting to respond to what I heard Jeff say on another call on voting. I can't remember if it was Terry's call or Paul's. But anyway, what Jeff said was he thought that ranked choice voting would be too difficult for our members to understand. And I'm really in favor of ranked choice voting. And I wanted to tell you that GDY just held an election in which that was how we voted. And uh, nobody had any trouble understanding it. And it went very well. And the results reflected what people wanted. And uh, I think ranked choice voting is better because that kind of eliminates all that jockeying that goes on when you decide if you're going to run well, you know, I don't want to run against this person because he's my friend, but I do want to run against this person because I know I can beat her. Beat her. Um, I just think it makes, it improves democracy. And I can tell you that it worked in GDY. Penny, and I would be willing to have a conversation on Sunday edition about ranked choice voting. If you would be willing to be a panelist about it. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Do All right. It, panelists. Do it. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, right. any panelists who want to respond? Yeah, we've got, oh. Uh, go ahead, no, go Sheila, we're up. Carla. I would just, and I know I've spoken before, so I'll keep this brief. If you want further suggestions, I think one change that should be made is I think there needs to be more than four hours for the individualized voting. Sometimes it's just really hard you know, to, to get in that um, window when there's so many other things going on during the convention. So I'd like to see that extended. And since I spoke before, I'm not going to hold the mic any longer, but that's my suggestion. Thank you. I, I would imagine a lot of other people have that suggestion as well. 
especially when you're, you know, responsible for programming and, and other things, trying to manage everything can be challenging. All right, uh, Sheila, who else? There's no other hands. I do have one comment about what Amanda said. If everybody is given a voter code, then the delegates are told, <laughs> well, the ACB is told who the delegate is and the alternate is way ahead of time. They could also be given a voter code and do that same vote process only with the affiliate vote somehow. And I, I love that idea. I, I do think that would save some time, but um, nobody That's else has any hands. All right, we did have our friend, I am blanking on the name, who had a second comment Kathy. that we said we Kathy, Kathy, thank you. Mm-hmm. Kathy, Kathy, are you still wanting to unmute? Okay, I am unmuted. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the comment that I have was with regard to the uh, debate process on amendments and resolutions that <clears throat> they should, the leader should have more command over the for and against speeches and that you've got to stick to it. Uh, as far as the resolutions, the maker of the resolution obviously is the first one. But then you should have, for example, five, four, or five against and leave it that way. Don't try to you know, oh, okay, we'll let this one in or we'll let that one in. Next thing you know, you're there all night uh, to be really, really strict and enforce it. That was my comment. That's, that's a good comment. And I, I would add to that. I, I think that there should be some sort of process to to figure out those five speakers on each side that, you know, if there is... 12, 13, you know, on each side with hands raised, um, you know, could we have, you know, a five minute caucus and figure out who, you know, are there uh, points that are con uh, not conflicting, but are there points that could be conflagrated together, et cetera, et cetera, and streamline the speak process? I don't know how that would work, but that is a suggestion I think we could we could also look into. All right. Um, I think we've I got, heard another hand go up. We have two hands and we've got five minutes. All right, brief, please, folks. Debbie, Debbie Dethridge. Uh, yes, I'll just make this brief. Um, I'm concerned about why we're not starting voting um, on opening session. I think especially this year it's going to be directors, and I think that's going to be um, interesting to see how we're going to get all that done if we wait until Sunday to start elections. Actually, and opening all. session is Sunday. Oh, Okay. Yes, so we uh, so, are starting on opening session. Okay, so yes, I would be in favor of starting voting on opening session because I think that might be um, right. running into problems, especially with directors, on a year that you have directors. That's all mm -hmm. I have to say. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You. Yeah, that's been pretty universal, right? Yeah. All right, area code 682 ending in 597. Please unmute. Hello, this is Calandra. Um, I am so sorry I came in late, but I know that y'all were discussing some kind of amendment of the resolutions or something. Um, do they have any type of election, like who to vote for, or do you have to go somewhere else for it? 
So, Kalanja, I think if you're talking about um, our directors that are going to be up this year, everybody gets a personal vote code. Um, and there are several ways to vote through vote now. Um, if you're uh -huh. talking about the affiliates, each affiliate has their own way of collecting their members, uh, you know, opinions, wants as far as breaking up the delegate vote so that you would go to, you know, your affiliate leadership and figure out how to cast your vote that way. Did I answer your question? Oh, okay. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that was the one I was referring to. Okay. Yeah, that's so you would go to your your affiliate leadership and figure out how they collect their votes. Um, and then, of course, it's, so, it's in other words, I have a local ACB chapter also. Would I have to go to the end? No, you would go to your state affiliate. And if you're a spe if you're in special interest affiliates, you'd go to them as well. Oh, I don't even know. I have to find out where it is. But thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. All right. Uh, Pat John, do you want to give us some closing remarks? Well. Just really a uh, big thank you to uh, to this group. We Once again, we've gotten some good ideas on moving forward. Uh, the more I think about the, you know what Amanda had to say, I think it, it has value. So we're going to take these ideas, uh, bring them back to the voting task force, mull them around, and see how they interface with um, uh, Constitution bylaws and resolutions. Uh, John, thoughts uh, from the uh, Constitution bylaws side? Only dig the mic out of where I stuffed it down between the cushions while I accommodate the dogs who are begging for some nuts here. Uh, <laughs> my snack food. Uh, no, I'll, again, the, the beauty of these events is that you come up with ideas. You know, no one can think of everything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, things have been advanced here, uh, possible solutions, or streamlining things that, that haven't occurred to me. And I look forward to uh, the voting. Uh, remote voting task force uh, considering all these good and yeah, uh, we'll write them up yes. good and then matt thoughts uh, i believe matt left I oh did matt I leave can't. okay i think yeah so. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to close out by saying, you know, first and foremost, the Sunday edition is everyone's in ACB show. Um, my name may be on the title, but this is an open show. Anybody who comes to me with an idea gets a fair share, you know, a fair shake at getting on to Sunday edition. I do very strongly believe in, you know, ownership of members of members that they, they, they need to be a part of the process. They need to inform themselves, find out. I think the organization at large has way too many communication streams, but they're out there. And if you want to know, you can find your affiliate leadership is always a great place to start. If you have a question, most affiliates have some form of discussion list or phone number that you can call. Uh, next week, Sandra Sermons will be tributing Freddie um, and come back again next Sunday. This has been a great discussion. Thank you, Connie, Matt, John, Pat, Sheila, Lucy, Bryn, um, and everybody who called in with great comments. This has been an, an, a very interesting discussion. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream One. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.